This is Story Quest. Brand new stories you'll want to hear again and again. It's a hot morning in Tigeropolis, India's forgotten tiger reserve. Uncle Raj turns to his family inside their cozy cave. The roaring practice went well, but we'll need to do a lot more if we are to attract sufficient visitor numbers to save the park. Cousin Vinny up at Ranthkat Tiger Park might have some tips. He's always talking about how well things are going there. Yeah, can we go? Chimed Matti. A visit to Ranthkar sounded fun. It's not an easy trip nowadays. When I was a cub, we used to be able to walk straight there, through meadows. But now it's all farms and villages. We'll have to take long detours to avoid tramping on crops or meeting any farmers. We could take the bus. Bitu pipes up. I've seen humans do it. They just stick out a paw and it stops for them. Oh, Mum Tala locks eyes on her son. And when exactly was this? What were you doing by the main road? You've been grounded for the last month. Um, Bittu squirms uncomfortably. Uncle Raj overlooks Bittu's disobedience. That's actually a great idea. It'll get us there in no time. Matti arches an eyebrow. You sure, Uncle? Three hours later, four hot and bothered tigers are slumped at the bus stop. I don't get it, moans Tala. That's the third bus in a row that's not stopped. They must have seen us, surely. It's like they don't even want to stop, complains Bittu. And they're not even full. Right, Uncle Raj makes a move. We're walking. It's nearly dusk by the time the weary family pass through a hole in the fence surrounding Randkar. They tiptoe past a couple of elephants, busily chomping away at their evening meal. They sidle on down a dirt track until they spot a tiger crouched down, carefully pressing something into the soft earth. Hi, Vinny! Uncle Raj calls out. Vinny is startled. Eh? Eh? What? Oh, it's you, Raj. What are you doing here? Raj explains about the threatened closure of Tigeropolis and their plans to entice the visitors back again. Vinny nods, but he's not sure Raj gets what it takes to run a successful visitor attraction like Randkar. Raj certainly doesn't get the large wooden stamp Vinny's holding in his paw. Okay, Vinny, tell us, what's that thing for? He asks, curious. Ah, teases Vinny, holding the wooden stamp up so they could all get a better look. Just one of the tricks of the trade. It's for stamping paw prints into the sand. You know, bug marks. What's wrong with your own paws? Uncle Raj asks. Nothing. They're perfect, see? 
when he shows off his perfectly pedicured paws. I don't want dust and mud all over my feet. But tourists on safari want to see their guides using bush skills to track us. You know, looking for scratch marks on the trees or scanning the ground to find our paw prints. So the pug marker makes it super easy for them. Perfect paw prints every time. Watch. Vinny stamps a perfect trail of pug marks disappearing off into the bushes. Voila! He beams. Well, not Stala. That certainly gets my stamp of approval. Mom, groans Matti. Soon after, Vinny's wife Visha ushers them all into their family cave. She serves them a tasty vegetarian dinner of special pakora, hot aloo puri and some fresh rotis. After dinner, Vinny disappears for a while. On returning, he announces that he's arranged a special treat, but they'll need to be up before dawn. It's 5.30 in the morning and only just getting light. Matti turns up a raincoat's collar and pulls a wide-brimmed hat down tightly over her ears. Are you sure I'm unrecognizable in this? She frets. Bitu hands her a pair of sunglasses. With these on, even I couldn't recognize you. Well, as long as you keep your moustache under control. I haven't got a moustache. Those are my whiskers and you know it, Bitu. Vinny ushers them all outside towards a jeep, warning them to take care. Keep your disguises on at all times. Otherwise, there'll be panic. Humans are not used to seeing tigers driving about. Suddenly, a human approaches. The Tigeropolis tigers freeze. Vinny pats the human on the back. My old friend Vikram here is the only human you can trust to keep our secret. He'll show you what a real safari tour is like. This human, Vikram, seems unfazed. Vinny and I go back a long way. I was ten and he was just a cub when I rescued him from a poacher's trap. Vinny grimaces at the memory. As he limped away, he turned and actually thanked me for releasing him. I was stunned to discover tigers could talk. Vinny smiles. But I'm pleased to say he's kept our little tiger family secret ever since. Come on, jump in. Let's go on a game drive. Vikram starts the jeep and pulls away. Early mornings before breakfast. It's a great time to spot tourists. is a Bell Media production narrated by Ashwika Kapoor, written by R.D. Dijkstra, story editor Angela Salt, supported by the Audio Content Fund. All right, now, if you want to learn more about tigers and conservation, take a listen to this. These are Tigeropolis Eco Features, where we go out and about and find out more about the environment and conservation.
This week, it's all about tigers, and we recorded this on location at Wildheart Sanctuary in the Isle of Wight. I'm Megan McCubbin, I'm a British naturalist and TV presenter and I've come here to my second home which is the Wild Heart Sanctuary on the Isle of Wight. I'm currently sat next to three rescued tigers who are all being quite vocal behind me. Coming to meet the tigers today are a very special group from the Bay CE Primary School. Now they've come to say hello and give me a helping hand with feeding the cats today. The number of tigers in the wild is estimated to be around 3,900 individuals, a significantly less number than there were 100 years ago. But that being said, there's a lot of hope that we have to cling on to because there's some fantastic people and some fantastic organisations that are fighting on the front line for these animals' safety. We know by looking at the evidence they leave behind, like their paw prints or the poo or camera trap footage, that numbers in some areas could start to increase. So we need to keep the momentum up, particularly as we head into 2022, which is the year of the tiger. What is the biggest threat to tigers? Tigers face quite a few threats in the wild, but I have to say the biggest one could be habitat destruction. We know that lots of people are encroaching on their forest, their natural home, and the area that they live are getting smaller. So tigers are having to go further out of the forest to find food in order to sustain themselves, and they simply don't have the space to live anymore. So in order to rectify that situation, we need to be thinking more about forests and more about better quality habitat for tigers in the wild. Could tigers like these ever be returned to the wild? I really wish they could. I would give anything for these cats and all the animals here at the sanctuary to be in the wild. But unfortunately, they were born in circuses, born in captivity. And because of that, they will spend the rest of their days here. But they're very well looked after and are fantastic ambassadors for species in the wild. Is the Scottish wildcat related to the tiger? Well, they're both cats. So they did share a common ancestor about, I think, about 10.8 million years ago. So at one point... They were very, very closely related, but as time has gone on, they have got ever further apart. But I have to say, they are still pretty closely related, both still being cats, but they've evolved very different pathways. Were there ever wild tigers in Europe? Not that I know of. We did have something called cave lions, which went extinct about, I think, twelve to 14,000 years ago. Um, so that was our largest big cat that we had most recently, which might seem a long time ago, but in evolutionary terms, it was quite short. Isn't a tiger's tongue a bit like sandpaper? Very much so. Tigers, just like your domestic cats at home, have got incredibly rough tongues. And that's for a very important reason. And when they're hunting, they might be hunting things like deer out in the wild here at the sanctuary. They're fed on things like beef, things like horse, sometimes chicken as well, um, depending on what day it is. And those tongues are really, really important because it means that they can get all the hair, get all the feathers off the meat and strip the meat back so that they're able to get to the juicy good stuff a bit easier. They will then swallow the rest of it Um, nothing really goes to waste sometimes you hear them crunching on different bits of bone because they've got such a powerful bite nothing goes to waste so once a week here at the sanctuary they go on a starve day and that essentially helps them get everything out of their system so all the hair the feathers the bone that they might have ingested gets them all through their system so it's nice and healthy for them because tigers in the wild wouldn't be eating every day so you have to mimic what they would be getting out in the wild as much as we possibly can
Have you ever been frightened by a tiger? Tigers are very powerful creatures, so we always have to respect them as the wild animals that they are. Um, but I've never personally felt frightened of the animals that I've ever looked after. Sometimes they can be a bit cheeky, sometimes they'll start crouching down and they might stalk me, um, but sometimes I'll stalk them back and we'll have a bit of a game. Um, but they are brilliant, brilliant creatures, always to be respected, um, but as long as you understand them, then you never really get fearful of them. Can tigers see in full colour or are they colourblind or can they see in full colour? So tigers can't see in colour like we... Well, they do see in some colours, but not exactly like we can. So we're trichromatic mammals. Um, tigers, I believe, are dichromatic, so they don't see in quite the same vision that we do. And a lot of the time when they're hunting, they're hunting at quite low-light environments. You can hear Casper, the white lion, roaring in the background over there. He's a very vocal lion. Um, but because they're hunting and being interrupted by a lion, I quite like it. <laughs> when you're close to him and he roars, you can feel the vibrations going through your body because they've got such powerful, powerful roars that it just echoes in every bone that you've got because it can travel up to three kilometres. So all the residents of Sandown, probably a lot of the Isle of Wight, can hear Casper when he goes off and he likes going off in the middle of the night. Um, so lucky neighbours. But yes. <laughs> um, doesn't when you do an operation with a tiger's tooth, doesn't it take something like six hours? Because it goes up to like their eye up here. Yeah. So it like so it takes like six hours to to do an operation. I would say it depends on the tooth, but it definitely takes a very, very long time. If you think about an iceberg, where you see much more above the surface than you do under the surface, that's quite similar for canines of tigers, because they are so, so long. You've got to have a big, thick root system to hold that canine in place, because of the force and the power that it takes to bite onto your prey. You've got to have a good, secure system, and their roots are, I don't know, definitely over double the size that you're actually seeing in the mouth. Why do tigers roar so loud? It's a very good question. Well, tigers have really large territories when they're in the wild, so they need to be able to secure those territories. And to do so, they do lots of different behavioural adaptations to make sure that any intruders stay away and potential mates might come in closer. So females might start roaring during the breeding season um, when they're ready to mate, to signal to the males that they are ready and fertile. But also big dominant male individuals and female tigers will roar to keep intruders off of their territory. But they'll also leave poo around and lots of kind of different scent secretions as well to oint their territory with their own scent. Is there any difference between a male tiger and a female tiger? Very tricky to tell. You need to look at their private bits. Very tricky to tell. But the males do tend to be quite a lot larger, tend to be. Well, well uh, no, it's not. It, it depends on the type of tiger that you have. So we've got five different subspecies of tiger around the world. Um, Siberian males tend to be the largest tigers that we have. Um, Indians, Indian tigers, the females tend to be a little bit smaller. We had a female here called Aisha who was absolutely tiny. She'd always looked like a cub and lots of people would say, you know, oh, I didn't know you had a cub in, but she'd actually be a 20-something-year-old a cat, um, a geriatric cat, and she was so tiny that people thought she was a baby. But she was quite unusual. <laughs> Where do, like, tigers get born from? Are they, like, in forests or stuff when they are, like, born? 
Yeah, exactly that. So females that are heavily pregnant will go and find a safe place. They might find somewhere within a cave, some really heavily dense shrubbery, because when they're young or born, they're incredibly vulnerable. They do grow up pretty quickly because they have to. Young tigers need to start exploring, need to start hunting and learning from mum as soon as possible. And they don't want to be vulnerable for very long because then they're susceptible to other tigers coming in that might potentially eat them or definitely kill them as if they're a threat. But yeah, when they're born, so they want to go to the most secure, safe place as possible. So a nice cave or a good, dense bush often the mothers will go to to seek refuge. How big can a tiger grow? How big can a tiger grow? And again, that really does depend on the type of tiger, the subspecies of tiger. But I think about the limit weight-wise is about 360 kilograms, maybe just a little bit over. Um, and I think that's probably about 10 times one of you in terms of weight. Um, it's definitely about maybe five or six times the size of me in terms of weight-wise, but they get incredibly large. They're actually the largest big cat are our tigers. They can get over to three metres, the large, particularly the Siberians, which are the biggest ones. What can children do to help tigers in the conversation? You can do so much to help tiger conservation by talking to your friends, talking to your parents about the fact that we're losing tigers and about how to help them go such, such a long way. And knowing they're in trouble is, is half the battle. If you ever go on a holiday and you think about going to a circus, maybe choose one that doesn't have wild animals, doesn't have tigers performing. There's so much as an individual that you can do and the most important thing that you have in your toolbox is your voice. So use it and spread that awareness. Why is it important that we save tigers? Because if we can't save tigers, what hope have we got at saving anything else? Tigers are such an important animal and we all look up to them, we all love them. So if we focus all of our attention on tigers, an apex predator, ultimately we're going to be looking after the prey species below them and their habitat. But also raising awareness for tigers is raising awareness for all of biodiversity. So here we have the spider monkeys. We've got three in here. We've got Tino, the male, who's just in the middle. And we've got Millie and Ella as well, who are the two girls. And they are a really strong group. Often you'll see them aloe grooming one another, which means when they're grooming each other, getting off the parasites, getting off everything, and strengthening their bond. But they're a really amazing family unit and incredible animals to watch as well. When they're in the wild, they can get up to speeds of over 40 miles per hour at the tops of the trees, which is where they like to be. In the wild, they rarely come down from the, the forest top, which is pretty cool. Should we see if we can get them back? Do you know? Ella, come here. Come say hi. Come on. Come here. I haven't got a banana, so they're not very happy. <laughs> Hello. Have a look. Can you see the tip of her tail there? It's just wrapped around that branch. But when she moves, see if you can see what's on the underside of it. Can you see? Here we go. Come here. What can you see on the bottom of their tail? Um, a, a bald spot so they can grip onto things easily. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. <laughs> Chatting away. They're quite hairy animals, but on the tip of their tail, they do. They've got a bald patch because it's a prehensile tail, so it essentially acts like a fifth limb. Thanks for coming on a story quest with us. If you like that story, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you never miss an episode. 